Good morning. Pastor Kyle Thompson, I want to thank you all for being here today, especially our guests who are with us, whether you're here in the theater or watching online or listening to our podcast, we're just grateful that you're spending time with us as we are in the season of Advent, this four-week period that leads into Christmas, and as Pastor Nancy said, our series is The Best Hope. We believe that Jesus is the best hope of the world and that with the power of His Holy Spirit that we can be hope in our community, and so We're glad you're here today to be a part of that. Uh, We have a tradition here every Christmas Eve. We take up an offering that we give away 100% uh, to two ministries that are doing God's powerful work in our community and around the world. And uh, this year, one of our recipients is going to be New Story Church, uh, which is a partner minister, uh, a partner church of ours. We've been supporting them for several years. Uh, New Story is a United Methodist congregation in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Uh, They're a new church plant, and God has just uh, done amazing things there. In the past few years, they've grown from one to three campuses, and they have had the the awesome ability to make everyone feel welcome in their their congregation, especially people who are in need. And so it's awesome to have Pastor Scott Osterberg here today to deliver God's Word. Uh, Scott is the founding pastor of New Story. Uh, He's also a very dear friend of mine. Uh, He's a great father. Uh, a great husband, and he just loves Jesus. And uh, we're going to give him a warm welcome in just a minute. And I'll always look forward to hearing from Scott because every time he's come, he's said a different way that we've met each other. And I can't wait to see how uh, we met each other this time. Once it was in prison, once it was when I was a Girl Scout leader. And so uh, really looking forward to seeing how we met this time. So let's give Scott a warm uh, welcome this morning. Kyle kind of put me on the spot with that. Um, I, I guess I'll just start off and be honest. We did not meet in prison. We did not meet when I, um, when Kyle was a Girl Scout leader and my daughter was going there. We actually met when I was Kyle's probation officer <laughs> when he got out of prison. And I'm not even going to tell you why he was in prison, but it involved not wearing the appropriate clothes at the appropriate place. And uh, I'm really glad to be here. I enjoy every time that I come, and I got to tell you, choir, as at a church that only has praise music, I love coming here and, and hearing you guys sing, because you're fantastic. I mean, it just it's just absolutely inspiring, and I've never worshipped in a movie theater before, so first time for everything, and it's really really impressive the way you guys set everything up, and the way that you're reaching out in ways that my guess is several years ago you would have never imagined reaching out. And it's faithful, and it's wonderful, and we'll talk more about that in just a little bit. But this morning, I want to start off doing something a little bit differently. I'm going to show you four slides for just three seconds each. And these four slides have a common theme, and your role is to try to guess what the common theme between these four slides are. Okay, so let's put up the four slides in a row, and... Okay, I can't see you well enough to see for you to raise your hand, but somebody yell out what you think the um, common theme might be for those four slides. Commercials. Commercials. Excessive use of money. Excessive use of money. Good one. Future. Future. Okay. Here's what it is. 
I went online to Twitter, and I hope you've heard of Twitter, and I typed in hashtag and then a certain word, and these were the first four themes that came up. And here's what it is, what I typed in. Hashtag blessed. Now I'm going to show you the four pictures again, and you think of it this way. You think of it now in terms of hashtag blessed. Oh, if I have the right car, I'm blessed. Oh, if, if I have the right relationship, I'm blessed. If I have the right bling, I'm blessed. Oh, if I go to prom with the right people, then I'm blessed. Interesting what society thinks is blessed right now, isn't it? What do you think Jesus would say if Jesus were standing right here this morning and we put up those pictures and we said, Jesus, as a society, this is what we think of as blessed right now. Do you think he'd run out and high five us? He'd be like, this is everything I dreamed for you, planet Earth. When I came 2,000 years ago, I dreamed that one day you would think if I drive a Lamborghini, I'm blessed. I don't think he would at all, but here's the really cool thing. We don't have to guess what Jesus thinks is blessed because in Scripture, he tells us what truly being blessed is, it means. And in just a minute, I'm going to read you some Scripture, but first, I want to set the scene for this Scripture. Jesus has gone out, he's starting his public ministry, and Jesus has gone out and he's gone to 12 men. Sorry, ladies, it was, it was just men. But Jesus has gone to men and he said, I want you to leave everything and I want you to come and follow me. So, so Jesus goes to Peter and Andrew, who are fishermen, and he says, leave your nets behind, come and follow me. And they do. And he goes up to Matthew, who's a tax collector, and he says, stop your tax collecting, come and follow me. And he does. And and it sounds like this beautiful, quaint picture, doesn't it? Like Jesus walks up and says, come and follow me. And, and these guys go, sure, we'll do it. But, but really, I think it's a terrifying picture. Can you imagine this afternoon, you go home, and, and you're sitting around at your house, and, and you're talking amongst yourself, and you're like, man, that guest preacher, he's, he's fantastic. We kind of wish he was our preacher all the time. And, and you're sharing that with each other. And um, I hate I can't see Kyle's face wherever he is when I'm saying these things. It kind of ruins the fun of some of this. But you're sitting there talking amongst yourselves, saying those things, and suddenly there's a knock on the door. And you're like, what? And the Panthers are on. And you open the door, and who's standing there? It's Jesus. And, and you turn and you scream, pick up the house, quick! You know, and, and, and Jesus goes, no, no, you, I'm not coming in. And you go, what, what, do you, what can I do for you, Jesus? And he says, I want you to leave everything right now, all of it, and I want you to come and follow me. What would be the first word out of most of our mouths? But. But wait a minute, Jesus. The Panthers game's on, and they're playing the Vikings. This is a really important divisional thing. we got to check this out. Could, could we just wait a few hours? Or, but wait, Jesus, I haven't finished all my Christmas shopping yet, and if I'm going to be gone for a while, I need to make sure all the kids and grandkids have the right gifts. So could we maybe get back to you in a couple weeks? Jesus comes to the apostles, and he says to them, come right now, and they do, and most of us would say, but. But the apostles come, and, and Jesus sits them all down, and as a rabbi like Jesus was, Jesus would have sat them down, and Jesus would have been standing up, and, and he starts what is called in the Bible the Sermon on the Mount. And the part I'm going to read for us this morning is comes from a part called the Beatitudes, and the word Beatitude means blessed, and so I want you to picture this. You're one of the 
disciples who Jesus has just called, and you're sitting around, and the master is standing up to start teaching, and um, you're talking with each other, and my guess is here's what you're saying. What'd you leave to come follow him? Oh, I was a fisherman. I left that. What'd you leave to come follow him? Well, I'm pretty important in my community. What'd you leave? I left my grandkids behind. What'd you leave? These guys are all sitting around, and most likely they're talking amongst themselves, and they're wondering what Jesus is going to say. And because they're human beings like us, my guess is they were already thinking what they're going to get out of this. Well, I left all of this. What am I going to get out of this? Well, I left everything to come follow this guy. What's it going to be for me? You're expecting something awesome. And Jesus sits you down and he hits you with this. Here now this scripture from the gospel of Matthew, starting with chapter 5. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Thanks be to God for this great word. So how are you feeling right now? You've left everything to come and follow Jesus. And instead of saying, hey, it's going to be awesome to be you and there's a great health plan and a 401k, Jesus says all these blessings are the poor in spirit and blessed are those who are hurting. And my guess is, is that the apostles' faces kind of just dropped and they were thinking, whoa, well, what, what have we gotten ourselves into here You see, so often today in the world around us, and way too often even in the church, we get the idea of what blessed means wrong. We get this idea that we are blessed if we are wealthy and have all the money that we need, or if we are in good health, or if we are in the right relationship, or if our kids make it into the right schools, or if our grandkids are healthy. But that's not the way that Jesus is using blessed at all. You see, what we do too often is, is we interchange the words blessed and ho- and happy. You see it all the time. People say, oh, I'm just blessed. But what they mean is I'm happy. But here's the problem. Happiness is always conditional. And here's what I mean. Happiness is if-then statements. If I'm really healthy, then I can be happy. If the stock market continues to do well, so my retirement savings are okay, then I'm happy. If I get a good deal on this thing I'm trying to buy, then I'm happy. If... My spouse acts the way I want him or her to, then I'm happy. Here's the problem with that. If the things that we need to happen to make us happy don't happen, if the stock market crashes, if we get some bad news at the doctor, if our kids don't act the way we want them to, if we can't find the right Christmas present, then we're not happy. 
And so our happiness becomes conditional on things outside of ourselves happening. That's not what Jesus means by saying blessed at all. What Jesus means when he says it is this. For Jesus, he, he says being blessed means being made holy. And it changes everything. It, in, the way, in the great way that Jesus does it, it flips everything that we think we know upside down in this great and wonderful way. Let's look at, let's look at some of these. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I bet you've had a time in your life where you were praying and praying and praying for something that you really believed was God's will. Now you've even had tears flowing down as you were praying and you kept praying and nothing happened. And you prayed harder and you prayed harder and nothing happened and you prayed harder and nothing happened and you started to get frustrated. And maybe you started to get a little angry. I don't know about you. But I would rather have Jesus give me a great big heavenly no than silence. To me, when there's silence when we're praying, it's just agonizing, isn't it? Because we're saying, God, I'm trying to talk to you. God, I'm trying to let you know what I need. God, I'm trying to share my heart with you. And could you just say something? Maybe you've been there. And you were tempted to give up. You were, you were poor in spirit, but you, but you didn't give up. And through that, you learned the great value of perseverance. We think it's terrible when God isn't answering in our prayers, when we feel down spiritually. But according to Jesus, that's when we're blessed because we're learning to keep on going even when things aren't going our way. We're learning to stand strong even when it's tough. We're learning to seek out God's will instead of our own. I don't know about you, but I've had so many times in my life where I prayed so hard for something and it didn't happen, and I was a little angry. And then six months later, or a year later, or three years later, when I looked back on it, I said, oh, thank you, creator of the universe, for not answering that prayer that I wanted so bad, because I didn't get it. And if God would have answered that prayer, it would have been terrible. And in God's way of all-knowing, God said, just hold on, and you'll see. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Has your heart ever been broken when you've seen the plight of the poor and your heart just ached for somebody else? Or maybe you got out of a rough relationship and, and, and you, your heart just was shattering and you didn't think it would ever get back together again. Or maybe you've lost someone who was really close to you and, and even though you thought you were ready, you weren't. And, and that emptiness in your heart, it just... It just feels like this weight that'll never, ever be filled again. And, and we say, that's terrible. When we mourn, it's, it's horrible. And, and Jesus says, no, 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 no. In my incredible kingdom ways, you're actually blessed when you mourn. You see, the Bible says God will wipe every single tear away from our eyes. I don't know about you, but in those times I'm mourning, those are the times when I think my arms are the most open. And I'm saying to God, I need you. Because in those times in my own life, when everything's going really well, it's all too easy for me to say, you know what, God, I got this. And in those times I'm broken and I'm hurting are the times that I want to run to God like my father and just say, I, I need your love. Wrap your arms around me. When we mourn, it also teaches us compassion. Have you had one of those times in your life where you went through something horrible, just agonizing. You thought, I'm never going to make it through, but then you did. And then later in your life, God brought someone into your life who was going through the same exact thing. 
And you say to them, I'm, I'm here with you. And, you say, and they say to you, I'm down in this pit. It's dark. What are you doing down in here with me? And you say to them, I know it's dark down in here, but I know the way out. And you grabbed hold of them and, and you helped pull them back. Blessed are those who mourn, God says. For theirs is the kingdom of God. You see, this is great news for us, really, because the way that God works is God takes things that the world says are terrible, and in God's beautiful love, God changes them around. And so all those times that we feel like Jesus was the furthest away, paradoxically, are really the times that maybe, just maybe, that Jesus was the closest to us, grabbing hold of us, saying, you're blessed. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who want to make a be- the world a better place, is what he's saying. And maybe you've had to do that. Maybe you've knew everyone in your office was doing the wrong thing. I-, I used to work in an office before I went to the ministry. And one of the toughest times was always when a group from the office was doing a certain thing that wasn't super ethical. And, and you, you face this total moral quagmire, like, do I go along with this and stand everyone's good graces, or do I stand up for what's right? We have to do it at work sometimes. We do it with friends sometimes. When everyone's off gossiping about one person and, and we don't want to join in, and, and we go, God, oh my gosh, Lord, this is so dang hard. Maybe someone in your own family tried to get you not to come to church or not be so generous or not live the way, and, and, and you said, no way. Maybe in the world we live in today, for some of us men especially, although it goes both ways, maybe some of us men have seen a woman being treated in a way that she should never be treated, and, and, and maybe we had the courage to stand up and say, that's just wrong. And when we did it, people made fun of us and didn't want us to be a part of the group. And, and what does Jesus say? Jesus says, you're blessed when that happens. Because when you do that, you are experiencing what it means to stand up for righteousness. And you become a blessing to others. You see, over and over and over in Scripture, Jesus tells us that when we are a blessing to others, that's when we're actually truly the most blessed ourselves. It's this great way that Jesus works. When we're a blessing to others... We're actually the most blessed ourselves. Want to make a difference in the world, Jesus says? Do you want to be holy? Then help someone else. One of the things I love best about Sharon United Methodist Church, and I speak a lot of places, and, and you all may be my favorite place to ever speak, Partially because of Kyle, but mostly because of the choir. Um, <laughs> Here's what I love so much about you guys. You, you, you live out this idea of the best hope because you realize you are the best hope. Of course, Christ is the best hope, but the way Christ works in this world today, the way Jesus has chosen to work almost all the time, except for miracles, is through people like us, through our hands, through our feet, through our hearts, through our Love and, and what I love about you guys is you have this great heart for reaching out and helping. You see, what's happened in the church today way too often is we have mistakenly thought that talking about a problem is doing something about a problem. And so we sit around as the church and we talk, oh my gosh, there's so many hungry kids out there. Let's have another meeting about it. Let's send this off to another committee. And we talk and we talk and we talk. And all the while, kids are literally starving. 
And so we've tricked ourselves into thinking that talking is actually doing, and it's why so many people today, especially younger people, don't want to have anything to do with the church. It's because we just think talking is doing, and it's not. Here's what I've come to realize, especially pastoring a church like the one I do, and here it is. Talk is expensive. While we as the church sit and talk, kids go to bed hungry, people don't have a place to lay their heads at night, those who are struggling with addiction have nowhere to turn, and gosh, you say talk is cheap, but it's not. It's one of the most expensive things there is. I'm really blessed to be the pastor of a church that's a lot like yours, but in a very different way, a church that has a real heart for reaching out to those who are in need. A lot of you know some about our story. We started six years ago now. We started at my house and then went to a bowling alley and then we went to a worshiped in a place that was a lawnmower repair shop that went into foreclosure and we still have that first campus. That campus we do our homeless shelter. It starts next week and we'll be full the very first night I'm sure. Every night we'll have 20 people coming in and sleeping in our church. And we do Wednesday night programs at that campus, and we have lots of recovery meetings at that campus. But then about four years ago, I came on a December day and preached and and spoke with you guys. And through your generous offering, you gave us this great offering, and we actually used it to start a new campus. And this is it right here. Uh, Nope, that's not it. That's our West End campus. Go to the other one. There it is. This is our Walltown campus. You gave us an offering that we used literally. We couldn't have done it without you to start this campus. At this campus now, we feed 120 to 150 people every single Monday night. It's one of the poorest places in Winston. Kids come walking from miles away to get a meal from us. At this campus, we have a recovery house for people who are in recovery. We do worship at this campus. We have a a, a youth house that we've built on this campus because so many youth in that community have no hope. This past Monday night, six days ago, in what could only be called a miracle, a man came in. We hadn't seen him before. And right after the worship service, he came up to me, and this was a really rough-looking man, tough. And he said, "Um, could I talk to you after the service? I said, sure. And he said, I want you to pray with me about being saved. And so Steve, our outreach pastor, and I sat down with this young man. This was just five days ago. And I said, tell me about yourself. And he said, I just got out of prison. I've been in a gang my entire life. The only thing I know is how to rob people and break into people's houses is all I've ever done. But I don't want to do that anymore. And everybody in this community told me to come to this place because they'd take me no matter who I am and that I would find hope here. And he said, I heard you talk about Jesus tonight. And he said, I don't understand Jesus. I don't understand this whole religion thing. But I know I need a new story. And would you just pray with me? Because I'm trying to get out of the gang, and they're trying to pull me back in. And so we prayed with this guy. And tears came running down his face and my face and Steve's face. And I'm not a crier. Like, I don't cry. But, like, tears were coming down my face because this man... Because of this campus that you all really started. I mean, we wouldn't have done it without you. And now there's a man who is in a gang who's trying to lead a different life and hundreds of kids who are fed every single week because of you. Then then two years ago, I came back. 
And I told you what we were doing, and you were so incredibly generous again. And we used, in the way that God works, it seems like, you know, we came and, and you gave us this great offering. And then just a few months later, the opportunity came open for this campus. And I don't know, I can't see your hands, but if you've ever heard of the children's home in Winston-Salem, this is on the children's home campus. It had gone into total disrepair. And they came and asked us, would you start a campus here because we're going to ramp up the children's home and, and you're the type of church that we want to, to minister to the kids out here. And so a little bit over a year and three or four months ago, we opened our West End campus. And now every single week, we minister to about 50 or 60 kids who are at-risk kids who have been taken out of their homes for some reason and live on this campus. And this is our main Sunday campus right now. And, and so we reach out to these kids who, if I told you their stories, you'd break down crying. Stories of kids who've been treated so terribly and every single week to 50 or 60 of these kids in our, in our youth and our children's programs, we minister to them and we tell them God still loves you and we show them that they can have a new story even with, with what they've been through. It's at this campus that two different times this year we've packed meals because of your generosity. I can't tell you how beautiful it is, and I can't show you any pictures because we're not allowed to take pictures of these kids because a lot of them are on the run from really bad situations. But to see these at-risk kids who have been the recipients of people giving them so much, to literally stand there and, and pack meals that they knew would be sent to kids across the world, it's one of those things where your heart just swells up in your chest because here's kids who have been getting who now have the chance to give to somebody else. And, and we did that twice, each time with 15,000 meals because of you guys. And, and so four years ago, we started a campus after I came here. And two years ago, we started a campus. And when I told my people I was coming down this year, they were like, please, God, don't go. Don't go down there again. We don't, oh my God, we're going to be starting another campus in a few months if you go. And I said, no, I'm going. I don't know if we'll start another campus. The way that God works at New Story Churches is that we just listen as closely as we can. And when God shows us very clearly to do something, then we do it. I will tell you what a great majority of the offering that you give us this year will go to, and that is on our Walltown campus in the really poor area. There's an old house that sits on our property, and one of the things that that area needs the most is medical care there. So many people out there literally cannot go to a doctor, and little small illnesses become big, and so we've already been meeting with some free consultants and a bunch of doctors. And one of the things that we're going to do is, is hopefully this year begin to start some sort of free medical clinic in that area. Because the people who have the hardest time sometimes are the kids. We see kids who are just coming in with just little things that if they could be treated, but they don't have parents who will take them. They don't have a way to get to some of the health care that they need. And so we're going to use a lot of your offering and and I, I, if I come back in a couple of years, I know the stories I'll share of just kids and adults who literally had nowhere to go, who were helped again because of what you have done. And so, Amen. I guess here's just what I want to close with. I know that you know, being such great friends with Kyle and, and being down here watching, I know you guys have been through so much change. And I mean, you're moving out of one building and you're changing the name of the church and now you're meeting in a place that you had never dreamed you were going to worship in. And, and I'm just so proud of you. And, 
And, and here's why. Because what you're doing makes a difference. Because you are the best hope. Because without people like you, people like me could never pastor a church like I do. And, and sure, it's not right next to you in Charlotte, but here's the cool thing. You're becoming a regional church. What you all have done is affecting people all the way across this state. So I would say to you, don't give up. You know, maybe if we were writing the gospel today, that we would add another blessed. It'd say, blessed are those who leave the comfort of their church and move to a movie theater, right? Yeah. But I believe with all my heart you are blessed because you do this. Why? Because you're taking this huge step out in faith. It would have been so easy to stay back in that other building and saying, you know what, God, we're good. And God would have said, you might be good, but you're not necessarily faithful to what I'm calling you to do. But you took that leap. And some people didn't take it with you, and that's okay. But you've decided to take that leap, and you're stepping out in ways that you never imagined. And I believe with every bit of my heart that God is blessing you now and will bless you in ways that at this moment you can't even imagine. When I see you in a few years again, probably, I'll be telling you stories about the free medical clinic, and you'll be telling me stories about the way God has blessed you in ways you never even dreamed, because that's how God works. And so I am really, really proud of you for taking these steps in faith that you have been taking. We would be glad at New Story Church for any of you who would ever like to come up and visit us or partner with us. Like I said, we start the homeless shelter next Friday. If you have a real heart for the homeless, come up one night and help us serve a meal or help us check in guests. Or if you're really brave, come spend the night. Kyle did it one night last year and he only cried a few times. <laughs> if you really ever want to just feel spiritual, spend the, about eight hours straight with Kyle all night. <laughs> so, Kyle came. It was great. If you want to come and do that, if you want to come on a Monday night, you want to help us serve some of the poorest people in our entire state, really, come on up. This is my email on the screen. Take a picture of it. It's pretty easy to remember. Scott at New Story Church. Just email me. We are so thankful. We feel so blessed to have you all as a partner that, that we'd love to help you any way that we can. So if you'd ever like to come up and experience what we do, we would absolutely, absolutely love to have you. So I thank you again for, for what you're doing for this community. And, and as the pastor of New Story, I thank you for what you're doing for our community, and you are a true blessing to us, and, and may God bless you guys. Amen.